Hi, my name is Kale Roberts. I want to welcome you to Huddle Up, hosted by my parents, Chris and Sarah Roberts. Huddle up as we hear from our sports families about their stories and gods. Hey, sports families. Welcome to Huddle Up, where we talk about faith, family, and sports. We just want to remind you to subscribe, review, and share because that really helps us out with future content and what you like and what we can do for you in the future. We are so excited for you all to hear from a faith and sports power couple, Jake and Janie Reed, this month. Both were standout athletes at the University of Oregon, and currently Jake is in the Minnesota Twins organization, and Janie is on Team USA softball preparing for the Olympics. You will be inspired and encouraged by this couple, but before we get into their stories, like always, let's get into God's. So I came across this and loved it, but more importantly, I needed it. It's five short chapters to change. Chapter one, I walk down a street and there's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. It takes forever to get out. It's my fault. Chapter two, I walk down the same street. I fall in the hole again. It still takes a long time to get out. It's not my fault. Chapter three, I walk down the same street. I fall in the hole again. It's becoming a habit. It's my fault. I get out immediately. Chapter four, I walk down the same street and see the deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. In chapter five, I walk down a different street. I hate change. I love comfort. Change is uncomfortable. Change is scary. Change is overwhelming. But change is necessary. If we are not changing, we are not growing. And that is ultimately what Jesus wants from us. A growing relationship with him. Every coach says no athlete stays the same. You're either getting better or you're getting worse. God wanted to grow Jonah's faith, and more importantly, his heart. We read this in the book of Jonah that God wanted him to go to the city of Nineveh and tell the people that what they were doing was wrong and against God. Jonah didn't like the people of Nineveh and thought they should pay for their actions, so he refused. We all know the next part of the story of Jonah, the whale, and finally agreed to go to Nineveh after three days in the belly of a creature. But as the late, great, and legendary Paul Harvey says, here's the rest of the story. Jonah did as God asked him to do, and the people repented of their ways, asking God for mercy and grace. God gave it to them, and there was Jonah's reply. In Jonah 4, 1-3, This change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would, go, would do this, Lord? This is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. Jonah didn't like God's mercy, God's love, and God's grace for the people of Nineveh. So God changed his plans to change Jonah's heart. God's change is to bring about God's best. He might be changing your relationships. He might be changing your job. He might be changing you. All are uncomfortable, all are scary, and all are overwhelming and messy but often necessary for God's best. We want to welcome everybody to Huddle Up, and we are so excited to introduce you all to a powerhouse sports and faith couple who are complete studs on and off the softball fields. More importantly, they are studs for the kingdom of God. And so we want to welcome Jake and Janie Reed to Huddle Up. Welcome, you all. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. So first thing we'd like to know is, one, how did you meet? 
And two, how long have you been married? Well, we met, um, we were both freshmen at the University of Oregon. Um, and so baseball and softball players. And um, I think we were trying to think of exactly when, like the moment we met, but we don't know because Jake added me on Facebook. And so we were like Facebook friends before we actually met, which is a bummer that we don't know <laughs> when we actually met. Um, but yeah, so we kind of became friends our freshman year and then we've been married uh, for two and a half years. So who sent the Facebook first Facebook friend request is the question. I did. Okay. That's what we wanted to know. That's what we wanted to know right there. That that is awesome. And married two and a half years, right? Mm -hmm. Is there anything surprised you about marriage right now or shocking about marriage at all? Um, I think like definitely in the first year, I feel like we're starting to like find a little bit of a groove um, in the last uh, year and a half. But the first year for me was like I grew up, we just grew up in different homes. So we just did things different ways. The one thing we joke about all the time is like in my house, you like scrape the butter, like kept it all neat on top and he would just like jab the butter and it was just like little things like that where I was just like, you're doing everything wrong. <laughs> awesome. We we can't relate to that more just in this quarantine. Yeah, I know. We, I mean, we've been married for 22 years and I just found out that he gets jelly out of a jar and spreads it on his toast with spoon and not a knife. That's what I do. Yeah, that's, that's the best way. So. And so I'm like, what the heck are you doing? So we get that. And, and you'll find more and more things like that as you guys get um, longer into your marriage. Uh, that's good. So let me start with you, Jake. So you actually got drafted out of high school, I want to say by the Chicago White Sox. Mm-hmm. Um, ended up deciding to go to college at University of Oregon. And, and obviously that seemed like that worked out well for you. But at the time, why did you decide to go – uh, to college first and specifically Oregon? Um, I think I knew kind of going into uh, that draft in 2011, knowing that, um, you know, if I didn't, if I wasn't drafted in a place where there was going to be, um, you know, life-changing money that, you know, you wouldn't um, necessarily be wise to turn down. Um, I was pretty committed to, to going to school. Um, I was pretty, I was young and, and immature and I knew, um, you know, I needed to, to go to school and, and grow up a bit and, um, you know, do my best to get my education. Um, so, you know, it really wasn't a very tough um, decision at all. You know, if, like I said, if I went in the first couple rounds, you know, it would have been something that we would have looked into more. But I pretty much knew, um, you know, my whole senior year that, that I was going to be uh, a duck that next year. Cool, cool. So I, I guess, I mean, that's really a mature decision, to the, though. I mean, to, to recognize that you need to go to school instead of going to, you know, to play ball. But um, so both of you played uh, at the University of Oregon. Uh, we've addressed that. But so what was your favorite part about being student athletes there? And on the flip side, what were the biggest struggles? Um, I think my favorite thing about going to Oregon was just the town. Um, we both grew up in Southern California and I am just a big nature girl and just going up to Oregon and experiencing independence. Um, I grew up with two older sisters, so I've always been the baby and, you know, um, being on my own for the first time, like I 
I don't think I called home for the first two weeks I was away at college. So I was definitely enjoying like being on my own, um, but also just being in a college town and um, having all the, and you know that about like Norman, you know, cities like that where um, it's just like all the attention is on the athletics there. Um, I would say like struggles. I definitely, when I first got to college, it was time management. I was a straight A, couple Bs type of student in high school. And my first two terms in college were like below a two seven. So I just like did not understand time management and my priorities definitely um, got a little messed up. I grew up in the church and then um, at Oregon, definitely got into just caring way more about socializing and um, being, I don't know, finding my worth in, you know, what I did on the softball field and things like that. It's good. It's yeah. So good. yeah. I would say similar things too. I think just, um, you know, very similar town uh, to Norman where, uh, you know, your, your, your baseball team or your football team or softball, whatever sport it is, is essentially um, kind of the pro team there, you know, in that area and everybody loves and supports, um, you know, whatever sport it is. So um, that was really cool uh, to be a part of. And we were there during a, a really exciting time. You know, our football team was really good. Um, you know, the softball team was on the rise. The baseball team was new and, and uh, it was up and coming as well. Um, so it was just a really fun time to be at Oregon. Um, and then I, I think some of the challenges were, um, like she said, just the, the time management thing and being on your own for the first time, not having curfew and not having rules set by, you know, your parents, um, you know, you're free for the first time. And I think, um, you know, that can be scary, um, you know, for, for some 18 year olds who, who may not have their head on their shoulders quite yet. So, um, you know, we, we, Loved and appreciated that freedom at the time, but now looking back, you know, wish there would have been uh, some more structure. Hindsight is twenty twenty, right? Now, on, yep. on a side note, you guys are like at the Nike school. So how many <laughs> uniforms did you have? I think someone told us that, like, they wouldn't all look good, but we had enough tops, bottoms, and sock combinations that we could wear a different uniform for every day of the year. Wow. <laughs> Holy cow. That is amazing. That is amazing. That yeah, I don't even I don't even know what to say to that. I'm a little jealous. I'm a little jealous. That's amazing. So but I think I think uh, you know, just on that, like especially for baseball, it's a more of a, you know, kind of a traditional sport, you know, kind of, you know, looking back now, it would have been nice if we had, um, you know, three or four really nice, sharp, clean looking uniforms and having, you know, 15 or whatever we had, um, you know, so looking back, I think I would have rather had like a solid set of a few unis than trying to, you know, kind of do too much, I guess, with sure. baseball uniforms, you know. Have they asked your input yet? Uh, no, they have not. Okay. And okay. They won't. Okay. <laughs> hey, you just need a white and a gray, right? That's just yeah. a white and a gray. So. Exactly. so Jake, you were actually a multi-sport, uh, high school athlete and uh, quarterback, right? Uh, mm -hmm. which that's awesome. I actually, I'm a football coach and I, I coach quarterback. So, uh, right. I'm like already your biggest fan because I know <laughs> about you. So how did being a multi-sport athlete, uh, help you, uh, in sports and school? Uh, I, I think I never, I, I never had the opportunity to really get burnt out on 
you know, one of them, you know, I was playing baseball, football and basketball, um, you know, since I was little. And so you would just kind of make that transition from one sport into the next. Um, and by the end of, uh, you know, say baseball season, you're starting to look forward to football season. And by the end of football season, you're starting to look forward to basketball season. So everything just kind of um, transition into the next season naturally. Um, so I think that helped me a lot. And then I think it, it, it really helped in the sense of coming into contact with so many different great coaches, um, so many different um, coaching styles that it really prepared me for, um, you know, whoever I was going to come into contact with. And there's so much turnover, especially in, in professional baseball now, where I could have a different set of coaches every year. Um, and, and working with so many of them kind of growing up in different sports, I think it's it's really um, prepared me for, um, you know, that, that stage of my life. Now, now specifically high school, uh, but anywhere along the way, did you have coaches that tried to persuade you uh, to focus on one or were they more uh, encouraging you to play more sports? I, I think I got pretty lucky with that situation. I never really felt, um, you know, pressured into – you know, just focusing on one. Um, there may have been a little um, caution there from from my baseball coach because that was kind of my sport. Uh, there may have been some caution there, you know, that his his guy was the quarterback and, you know, in a very kind of quarterback run heavy spread type of offense. And so I can imagine there being some, some worry there, you know, once a week on Friday nights. But, <laughs> No, I think I got lucky in that sense where I had, you know, three awesome high school coaches um, that allowed me to, to do the things that I wanted to do. Yeah, man, I love to hear that. that. That's music to my ears, man. <laughs> it, it's, it's as parents who have kids ourselves who play multiple sports, we love hearing that it is possible and um, that it's they don't get burnout. And they as long as they want to keep playing multiple sports, we want to keep them playing multiple sports. We, we love, we love that. That's awesome. Okay. Janie, you are having an amazing opportunity to play for the Olympics, um, for team USA softball. I know it's, it's a little bummer right now because you, you got to wait a whole nother year for 2020 to happen, but this is the first time softballs come back in, in a couple, um, Olympics. So what are you most excited about this opportunity with taking um, your talents to Team USA and uh, softball representing the United States. Yeah, like you said, um, it's been a very bumpy road for softball when it comes to the Olympics. So just the fact that like everything has lined up to allow me to be on the team is very humbling. Um, I, I think I'm like most excited just to get there. Um, because I really like have a hard time picturing myself at the Olympics or playing in the Olympics because I just like wasn't the player in, you know, growing up or in high school that people thought would get to that level. Like I didn't think I would get to that level. So it's still kind of like I've been waiting for it to soak in. I've talked to some of the um, girls that played in 08 and they've said like, yeah, it honestly didn't hit them until they were walking into opening ceremonies. So it's just like, and just culturally, you know, it's like one of the biggest sporting events ever. So, yeah. I mean, and you are going to play for your country. You're going to walk in what we have watched on television our entire lives. You are actually going to be an, an athlete. And 
I'm just excited to see what you guys are going to wear during opening ceremonies. That's yeah. always so fun. That's always fun to see um, what Polo has um, uh, put out for you guys to wear. That That's so awesome. And I think it's, it's amazing to hear you say that nobody thought that you would be this player. At what point in time do you feel like you made that transition to, you know what? I, I wasn't this kind of player, but now I am. What, what was that transition for you? Yeah, it really, I think it happened um, during my sophomore year of college. Um, up until that point, like, boys been fast, um, lefty slapper, so kind of just find a way to get on, even if it didn't look um, super powerful or anything like that. So um, I feel like I was scrappy, and then my freshman year um, – did well as a freshman, but, um, I think my dad has always been my hitting coach. And so, you know, but me and him kind of like went back to the drawing board after my freshman year, like, okay, when you play in the pac 12, you don't have a weekend off, you know, where there's like, um, below average pitcher that you can kind of just exhale a little bit. Like it's go, go, go every weekend. And so we kind of knew what to prepare for. And, we've always been like a preparation equals confidence type of family. Um, like I grew up hitting four to five times a week um, in our garage. So that's always been like our philosophy. So I think once we knew what to expect and once like we knew how to prepare for it, then um, we went back to the drawing board. And then being at Oregon, I had one of the best men's fast pitch pitchers as my head coach. So he knew how to like, emulate any type of pitcher that we were going to face so that definitely helps me take my game to the next level and I remember after my sophomore year thinking like okay like I think I could actually you know even get a tryout for the USA team like I don't know if I could play on it but I think I deserve a tryout and so I finally got a tryout my senior year and by God's grace I've been on the team ever since. That's awesome. And we celebrate you and we can't wait to watch you. We're, we're going to be cheering you on from our living room, but we will be cheering you on. That's right. and Sadly, a year later, but that's all right. We'll still be there <laughs> you both, crazy enough, um, you both have transitioned to play your sports professionally. You know, a lot of a lot of people, a lot of kids, you know, dream of playing college sports. But both of you have been able to transition to play your sport professionally. But I also know that takes a lot on a toll on your marriage, um, crazy schedules, crazy demands. How does one make a marriage work with everything you guys have going on with the demanding schedules that you guys keep as professional athletes? takes uh, it, it takes a lot of work and I think it you know it's still uh, sort of a work in progress where we're um, learning each and every year um, you know what it's going to take for us not to just we don't want to just make it through a season um, but you know how can we we're trying to figure out ways that we can still continue to grow um, you know while we're apart and it, it's really difficult you know because of the the rhythm of things the schedule a lot of times we're in a different um, cities. Let me shut this. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, a lot of times we're in um, different parts of the country, so different time zones. Uh, and so that can be difficult. But like I said, I think it's finding ways where we can really, um, you know, stay connected while we're apart. Um, I, I think this year we, for the first time, we, um, we got a devotional book um, that we were going to go through together. Um, you know, that we were going to try and do once a week or something, um, you know, to where we're answering questions together. 
um, and praying together and that sort of thing. So like I said, it's, it's, it's still a work in progress and we're still really working to sort of find that rhythm um, where we can continue growing. Yeah, and each year brings something different. Like our first year of marriage was when I was at Oklahoma and I was the volunteer assistant and we like never saw each other. So we knew that God had called me there, but then at the towards the end of that season, we really both felt like, okay, we're supposed to, you know, do this together. So then it's like, okay, like God's asking us to, you know, like I'm going to step away from coaching. I traveled with him last year. And so really just trying to, and God's been so faithful in like just really giving us peace about where he wants us to go next. Um, and we're always prioritizing our marriage, but like it just looks different in different seasons. Maybe one season it's over the phone and another season it's in person. So. And I love the fact that you guys are supporting each other in what you're doing. And you guys are, because you believe in each other and um, your jobs, you, you really, like you said, I love that you traveled with him and he supported you when you came uh, to Oklahoma. That is such a uh, huge plus when it comes to marriage to see uh, couples like you who are, are willing to encourage and support one another in what you're doing. And obviously your faith is the center of, of all that you do and, and who that you are. And I, I mean, it's one of the things why we wanted to have you guys on here. Um, and what are some of the ways that you make him the priority in your life? I mean, a lot of times we talk about we got to make God a priority, but the reality is, reality is, is we need to make him the priority in our life, right? And so how do you guys do that? In what ways do you make him the priority in you all's life? Yeah, I think um, we're continuously growing in this. And um, even just during this quarantine, like we've, I just feel like we've grown so much like in the last couple of months. Um, and I think that's a big part of, you know, your, our faith is just realizing like, we're not going to be glorified till we get to heaven. Like, you know, every day is a process of sanctification, but I think um, for both of us, uh, we're not perfect at this, but I think really prioritizing like starting our days with God and, you know, in his word um, in prayer. And I think just that kind of sets the tone for the rest of the day. And I know that like the times that I don't do that, I just don't think about God as much. It's not necessarily that my days like, that much worse. I mean, it is worse because he's not in my thoughts, but I, I would say like, that's this, I would say that's the temptation to not, you know, start your day with God is that it's not like, you know, a bunch of terrible things are going to happen. It's just that he's not like interwoven into every, everything that you go through during your day. Yeah. And, and I would, I would say that we, um, we know what our relationship looks like without God, you know, like we, we have um, a pretty messy past, a pretty messy story. And so we've been on both sides of the fence where, um, you know, God has not been a priority at all. Um, and then we've, we've um, come a long way to see like the only reason that we're here right now um, and where we're at in marriage is, is by the grace of God and just what he's done, um, you know, through his, his um just changing us through the Holy Spirit. And so I think um, not that it's, uh, you know, out of fear, but it's just common sense, you know, that, that we've seen what it was before mm. and it was miserable, you know, and it was immaturity and insecurity and just a lot of, of things that we would never want to go back to. 
um, and then we see what it is now. And, and even now as Christians, um, you know, like she said, we, we recognize and we see the days where, or the weekends, whatever, a couple of days where we, we aren't prioritizing him. And it's the days where we're, you know, shortest with each other or where we're not, um, you know, prepared for conversations, um, you know, with our friends or with our family that maybe God ha- has ordained beforehand. So, um, like I said, I, I think it's something that we recognize. Uh, it, it's just completely essential to, um, and the only reason why we're still together. And then it, it's really the only thing that's going to keep us continuing to grow closer to each other and, and closer to God. I, I love that, first of all, the humility that is coming out of you guys is amazing. And you just see how God has worked. And I, and I love how you said, you know what, we've had a messy past. And people don't like to even say that. Um, and they, they want to have that Facebook world that that everything, perception, is, is perfect. And the reality is no marriage is perfect. No past is perfect. Um, but you guys are willing to step into the messiness with the Lord and saying, you know what? God, take our past and we trust you with our future. And I mean that that spoke to me yeah. right there. So that that's awesome. I loved hearing that. And it, it is so encouraging to hear how you guys are seeking God first, and then that kind of filters down to your marriage. Mm-hmm. You know, because without that, you can, we try to go the other way. It's not going to work. You know, we, yeah. we seek Him first, and then we're going to work on our marriage and and, and serve each other. And man, you guys, that's that's so encouraging to hear that. Thank you for sharing that. And, and we get asked a lot about how to be Christian in the locker room and on your teams. And how have you found it, or how have you found the best ways uh, just just to be a Christ-like example? Um, yeah, and even that, you know, has been, um, you know, a journey, too, uh, of just finding what's the most effective way um an authentic way to really love people in in a locker room where um, the majority of guys that are around you, let's face it, are not on the same page with you um, as far as, you know, what the things that you find acceptable to talk about or look at or whatever. Um, so I didn't want to get away from that. I knew that's kind of the world that God has put me in for the time being. And so, like I said, it's been it's been, uh, you know, figuring out a way how to how to love people through that and interact with the people that. Um, you know, he's put me into contact with. And, and I think, honestly, it's just been um, consistency over a long period of time with people of, um, you know, just little small things, you know, of, of avoiding certain conversations. And, and honestly, it's, it's gotten to the point now, which I'm very thankful for. I've played with guys long enough to, to where they know not to come, with, come to me with certain things or certain conversations. And so that's a cool um, you know, sort of place to get to where that temptation has sort of gone out the door now. Um, but like I said, whether it's it's offering guys a ride or, or it's eating with people and, and um, consistently or, or um, like I said, just a lot of small things over, you know, a very consistent period of time um, over a long period of time, I think has has sort of open the doors for conversations to happen for people to feel more comfortable, um, you know, coming to chapel or, or people coming to you when something's wrong, you know, they know who, um, you know, they know who they can go to when, uh, when they really need to, to talk about something serious. And it sounds yeah. like they trust you. 
mm-hmm. because yeah. of, like you said, authenticity and consistency that has led to trust in you. And if they trust you, hopefully, right, eventually they trust in the God who created you, right? That, that's, I, 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 that's awesome. Janie, how about you? Yeah, I was going to say, like, he is just a great, like, example of living life for Christ in front of other people and just doing life with other people and people being able to see, like, who Jesus is through him. Um, I feel like we definitely have similar roles on our teams, but I've kind of, like, always started with, um, you know, being the spiritual leader, like, oh, let's do Bible study, let's do this, and then, like, not valuing as much, like, just doing life with people, and I feel like he's kind of been, like, the other way, and we've both definitely grown in, you know, maybe being, like, more vocal um, in chapel, and then for me, like, just, like, really just prioritize living it out, you know, like, being that example and being that light for other people, so I think for me, like, on my team, it's definitely, like I said, starting a Bible study on the USA team. Um, But also I think like one of my mentors says like how Jesus talks about in John, like people will know him by the way that we love each other. And so there's been like a group of us on my team that we've just become like best friends and we're doing ministry together. And it's just been the coolest thing to like really get that like core group together and grow as sisters. That's awesome. It's awesome. And, out of that, you know, I want to I want to plug this a little bit. Out of that, you guys created a whole ministry called Church on the Dirt, yeah. um, which pro- pro- provides church services for uh, softball tournaments, traveling softball tournaments, and and I got to experience that in California um, one time. And what you guys are doing and how God is using you guys um, on travel teams right now with that Church on the Dirt is is amazing and. Man, that's so awesome and encouraging. Thank you. And, and I like the name. That's yeah, a cool name, yeah. Church on the Dirt. <laughs> that is awesome. I get asked a lot about that when I wear my shirt around Church on the Dirt. So, um, and obviously, you guys are making an impact. Um, you know, from Church on the Dirt to your your teams, your teams, yeah. Your, yeah, your own teams. You are a positive influence when it comes to your walk with Christ. And so this question we want to know is who's had the positive, the most positive impact on your faith walk? I would definitely say my mentor, Lori. Um, So I, right out of college, I um, was going to originally stay in Eugene and I was a journalism major. I wanted to get started at a small news station. And unfortunately during my senior year, or fortunately I had, um, a shoulder injury and I had to have surgery. And so that forced me to move home, um, back to my parents' house in Southern California. So I just started praying, like, I really want to combine softball and ministry somewhere. So I started to send emails out to all the Christian schools in driving distance to my parents' house. And, um, Lori had at the same time, she was the head coach at Biola University, and she had been praying for a slapping an outfield coach. And so I went on my interview and we just like immediately connected and I just canceled all the other interviews I had scheduled after that. And in the two years that I was at Biola, um, she just mentored me and discipled me and really just even taught me what discipleship was. I didn't even know. And she never outright said like, I'm going to mentor you. Like I'm going to you it just happened like we would just eat together and coach together and um she became such a wise 
voice in my life. And I had the idea of Church on the Dirt, but she really, you know, makes it happen because she's older than me. She knows how to make stuff happen. She's a doer. Um, and she's just been such a great picture to me of like really living on mission. Man, that's, I, and I understand what that means to connect with her because in one lunch over Mexican food, um, I thought, you know what, we're going to be best friends someday because she just has that way. That's, that's mm -hmm. awesome. Jake, how about you? Yeah, it's hard uh, to really uh, limit it down to just one. Um, we, we've been so blessed. Like God has been um so good to us in providing people um, for us and, and relationships. Um, I, I would say, you know, Janie is definitely pro most likely at the top of that list. I think she was kind of the one that um, really gently pushed me, um, you know, toward Jesus and got me my first Bible. Um, and, and she was really the only person or one of the only people in my life that I was consistently around that I saw really living this out and, mm. Like I said, we, I mean, we made our, you know, we made our fair share of mistakes for sure. And, and she was part of that, but, um, <laughs> there was always this, uh, there was always this pull in her life, um, you know, that I felt her being pulled back to, you know, and, and so seeing that, I think it had a, you know, a very profound impact on me and, and, um, just got, like I said, God's been so good in providing people like, um, you know, pastors that were friends with our pastor here, we, we, go to a, a pretty small church, a very, very healthy church. And, um, you know, got younger kids. I went to my high school playing sports there now, which I'm, you know, still in, in uh, you know, touch with. And so we're great friends with them. And, and even JT, you know, the chaplain at, at Oklahoma, where we love him and his family. And, um, you know, even my dad, you know, just seeing um, kind of what God has, has been doing in his life over the last few years. It's just been a lot of people, but I, I would, probably put Danny at the top of that list. That's awesome. It takes a village, right? It takes a village for all of us when it comes to our faith walk. Yeah. That, that's awesome. Well, um, so we're kind of to the show here. Um, we, we, we kind of want to wrap it up and honor your time. And, and so we end it with our two minute drill and it's just rapid fire questions. But before we get to that, um, our two minute drill sponsored by the NFL Alumni Association of Georgia and Eagle Universal Services. Ready to serve, Eagle Universal Services is a contract service provider, priding itself as a for profit business doing nonprofit work. Thank you, NFL Alumni Association of Georgia and Eagle Universal Services. Okay, so this is the fun part. We are, Chris has the timer, and we are going to do rapid questions and see how many questions we can get through fun questions in the next two minutes for our two minutes. Right. Okay, you guys ready to play? Yeah. Okay, here we go. If you could travel anywhere in the world right now, especially in this pandemic, where would you go? Hawaii. I would stay here in San Diego. Oh, man. Um, if you could have dinner with any president, who would it be? Gosh. Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> Abraham Lincoln. Okay. <laughs> what is your favorite movie, all-time movie? Uh, I can only imagine. Remember the Titans. Mm, Ooh, yeah, both both awesome, good. Yes. What is your favorite snack food? Popcorn. Uh, chips and guacamole. <laughs> Who is the better athlete? Me. Me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jake. What is your favorite quality about Janie? Um, 
Persistence. Oh, Janie, nice. what is your favorite quality about Jake? He's nice. He's very kind. Oh, I love it. What superhero power would you choose to have? Teleportation. Fly. Oh, what'd you say, Jake? Fly. Oh, fly. Okay. Okay. Um, besides Jesus, who is one person in the Bible you would want to meet? Paul. Hmm. Mm. Jonah. Paul and Jonah. Okay. Okay. Mountains or beach? Beach. Doritos or Cheetos? Cheetos. Night owl or early bird? Early bird. Man, you guys, <laughs> you guys would kill the newlywed game. <laughs> um, favorite verse? First Peter 2, 9. Which says what? Uh, for you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, and proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. <laughs> yeah, I don't have a favorite verse. It's just the whole Bible, right? Yeah. Okay. Oh, there is our timer, our buzzer. Uh, thank you, Jake and Janie, for joining us on Huddle Up. And we know that your stories and your faith is going to encourage all of our sports families who who listen. And because I know it, it did us. You're just you're a young married couple, and the depth of your um, your faith and the uh, just the wisdom in your words, man, it, it was such an encouragement to us. I know whoever lives this, they're going to be blessed by this. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for joining us. And um, until next time, when we have another story to tell from another sports couple about their faith and their family. Hey, thanks for joining us for Huddle Up. Join us next time as we learn from other families about their faith, family, and sports.